the business savvy singer. Hey there, and welcome to the Business Savvy Singer podcast. I'm Dr. Greta Pope, and I'm so glad that you're here. This podcast is dedicated to vocalists and to those who love them. We interview singers who are working professionally to get a glimpse into their lives and celebrate their personal journey to success. Join us weekly to learn how to move your career forward. Get tips and recommendations to help you realize the career of your dreams. You're listening to the Business Savvy Singer Podcast, brought to you by the privatemusicstudio.net, providing online education to build sustainable careers in music. Also, Eternal Wolf Music, producing audio for every need. And Greta Pope Entertainment, for the finest in entertainment. Welcome to Season 2 of the Business Savvy Singer Podcast. This season, not only will we be hearing from singers, we will also be hearing from professionals providing support services to singers. Hey there, and welcome to the Business Savvy Singer Podcast. I'm really excited today. Um, I am a member of the board of Harbor Arts in Southwest Michigan, and we produce each summer a number of concerts, uh, and they are called Music in the Park. They take place in Three Oaks, Michigan. Several weeks ago, uh, I was at the concert, as I am every week, and came across a wonderful gentleman who is just a gem, and his music is absolutely beautiful. And he did some singing in the concert, but he primarily plays a flute, and his name is Douglas Blue Feather. So I'm going to, to tell you a little bit about him, and then we're going to chat with Doug. Douglas Bluefeather is an internationally known recording artist and performer of music featuring the Native American flute. His ancestry, as proven by DNA testing, includes Iberian, American Indian, and European. And he is an adopted Dakota Sioux member of the Zephyr family um, of South Dakota. He's recognized as one of the most accomplished flutists of today. He's released 22 CDs, which have been heard on radio stations and TV music channels worldwide, including Pandora, iTunes, Soundscape, Sirius, and many others. He is just an exceptional, exceptional musician. Um, he's a multinational award winner. He's won 13 national music awards including five Indian Summer Music Awards in the categories of Best Native American Flute and Best Contemporary Instrumental. So he's just done some fantastic things. Um, and I'm going to let him tell you some of the other wonderful accomplishments that he has achieved in his life. So I want to welcome Douglas Bluefeather. Hi, Doug. Thank you so much for being with us today. Hello, Greta. Thank you for having me on your show. It's an honor to uh, be on your show and speak with you. Well, thank you. Thank you. So we're looking forward to hearing all about all of the wonderful things that you've done. So let's let's start with how you began 
in music. How did how did that happen for you? Well, my journey on the Native American flute, and that's what a lot of people call it, uh, a journey, uh, was actually a result of a spiritual journey that began in 1996 when I had a very, very profound spiritual awakening with two Native Americans from New Mexico that were conducting some teachings and workshops in Dayton, Ohio. And that experience led me to getting involved and learning more about my own Native heritage and participating in many teachings and ceremonies with those two teachers. And it was that experience and awakening in 1996 that put me on the Native American spiritual path known as the Red Road. So my musical journey began as a spiritual journey, and that's why the Native American flute has always been a very spiritual instrument to me. So that's how it all got started. Wow. Well, it certainly is a beautiful, beautiful sound. You know, we were out in the park there in Three Oaks, and it was just, it was a magical, very peaceful Sound and there were several people. You know, you you had the twenty two CDs, and there there was a woman there that had bought your CD many many years ago, and she said that she's used it for yoga and meditation and just all kinds of really interesting things. And the music is it's just stunning. It's it's beautiful, and I really loved how you had so many different instruments on stage with you. Can you tell us a little bit about those instruments? Uh. The Native American flute is an instrument that can be traced back over 2,000 years. Today it's been modernized uh, and and tuned. Originally it was known as a courting instrument. It was an instrument that a young man might play to attract the attention of a young lady. Uh, It wasn't something that uh, was used in ceremony like uh, when you see the drums and the singers singing ceremonial songs. Mm -hmm. And... uh, Today, it's, uh, it's well-tuned. It's, it's professionally made uh, many, many years ago. is of course, made completely by hand and with, with tools, uh, whatever those might have been, bone tools and so forth. Uh, every culture on the planet has had some type of flute, whether it was a wood flute, a bone flute, a metal flute, and so on. So the flute has, has been a common instrument here on Mother Earth. I actually uh, still have my very first flute that I bought many, many years ago because after I'd been on that spiritual path for a year and having so many, many incredible spiritual experiences, I just happened to walk into a store in Yellow Springs, Ohio, that was selling some world instruments, and I noticed this wood flute on display And I asked the owner of the store what it was, and he said, this is a Native American flute. And he played it for me for a few minutes, and the sound that it created and the vibration that it created just immediately touched my heart and soul like it does to so many people who hear it. So I bought my first Native American flute there in 1997 when I was 45 years old. So it came to me a little later in life. I'm, I'm 70 now. Well, yeah, uh, yeah. That better late than not at all, though. It's fabulous. <laughs> so, it, you know, it, it came to me uh, as an instrument that was easy to play. It came uh, with a simple fingering pattern, and, and mm-hmm. I self-taught myself. Um, 
And it, it just seemed familiar to me, like I, maybe I'd done it before, if you know what I mean. Wow. <laughs> that is very cool. So now all of the instruments, they, they're all flutes. They're different sizes. They seem to be different types of wood, um, different shapes to some degree. Um, what is the significance of that, um, the, the different sizes? How would you decide to play one as opposed to the other? Uh, well, again, being the modern instrument that it is, uh, it's it's a actually a very limited type of instrument. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's tuned without you know having to know a lot about music because most people who play this instrument don't have a, a musical background, uh, don't read music, haven't had any musical training, so to speak. Um, it's an instrument that's pretty easy to learn how to play. Mm-hmm. Um, it's today it's tuned to what's called a minor pentatonic scale, which is the the scale that gives its its ghost like haunting sound. So, being the simple instrument that it is, uh, it has to be tuned to different keys, like an A minor, B minor, C minor, mm-hmm. D minor, E minor, F sharp minor, G minor, and so forth. And it has a limited number of notes. You can actually play about 14, 15 notes on it. But the basic scale is just up and down the six basic notes on on the flute. And when I play, I like to add a couple of additional notes here and there. So I'm I'm basically just bouncing back and forth between six, eight, sometimes nine notes. Mm -hmm. I've only one song, I think, in my career and it was on a Christmas CD that actually used about 14 notes, and it was uh, What Child Is This? Oh, yes. Or otherwise known as Green Sleeves. Green Sleeves, yes. Yes, and, I bought uh, that CD. I have that CD of yours now. <laughs> hey, yeah. And, yeah. and today it's made of different types of wood, uh, uh, different types of cedar, like Eastern Aromatic Cedar or Western Cedar have always been the most traditional type of wood due to the warm sound that that type of wood creates. Uh, mm-hmm. Other types of wood include birch, walnut, maple, a few others. Wow. Um, each different type of wood can create a little different texture and, and sound. Yes, yes. So is the size of the flute related to the the key that it would be playing in? Uh, yes, and it's also related to the, the pitch of the flute. So the smaller the flute, the higher the pitch, yes. the bigger the flute gets, the deeper the pitch, the deeper the tones. People mm-hmm. love the, the really deep haunting sounds mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Uh, on the deeper flutes, uh, more so, especially on the bass flutes that started like the key of E, D, C, B. And then there are some ones that are deeper than that, that uh, are referred to as a contra bass flute. Oh, wow. Wow, that is very cool. So do you have any sense of how they're made? I mean, how how is the wood shaped into the flute shape? Well, people always ask me, do I make the flutes that I play in? And I do not. I'm not a flute maker. I'm a mm-hmm. time musician. Being a flute maker is the other side of the art. It uh, is something that uh, requires your, your full-time commitment to be a flute maker. Yeah. Uh, and say that uh, the flutes that I play and, and resell are made by a company called High Spirits Flute mm-hmm. in Patagonia, Arizona. Mm-hmm. And 
They are still today some of the, uh, the best flutes around because uh, once the flute became modernized and, and became more popular, I'd say back around the time I started to play, uh, and since then, uh, it's just exploded as a, a popular instrument around the world. That's it's great. not just to the Native American culture, uh, or men or women. Uh, anybody can learn to play this instrument with a, a little bit of practice. And the, I, I can say that uh, there are probably two methods of, of starting with a flute. Some flute makers have two pieces of wood that are, are glued together on the inside and you never see the seam. Mm -hmm. The thing about high flutes is that they are all what you would call single bore flute. They're not glued together. They are bored out. Wow. So nice flutes do involve uh, some, some modern woodworking equipment, of course, mm -hmm. and the rest is, is done with, uh, you know, some precision drilling and laser work and things like that. But the, every, everybody who makes a flute is uh, still involved with handcrafting the flute. Wow. Well, they certainly are works of art. They're absolutely beautiful. I mean, I, I think that really added to the ambiance of what you were doing, having, I don't know how many you had there, but there were quite a few and they were all different and, and you had them in a stand where they were standing up um, vertically and they yeah. were just stunning. I have about 40 flutes in my collection and that's a lot fewer than a lot of people. Wow. <laughs> I, Take with me probably 15 flutes, uh, and mm -hmm. I don't always play all of them when I do a performance live. It depends on uh, what song I or songs I choose to play uh, during that set, during that performance. Yeah. So I, I have them all out, uh, and uh, if I don't get to play it, like you said, they're there for uh, a nice display. Right, I, beautiful. I, I, variety of the different size flutes and different keys. Yeah. Yeah. That's great. So are you doing a lot of touring these days? I know COVID has been a horrible thing for all of us, but since things have kind of opened up, have you been doing a lot of traveling? Well, not as much as we used to. My wife and I up until 2019 would travel approximately 30, 35 weekends out of the year. And then, of mm -hmm. course, everything came to a sure. sudden halt. Yeah. It uh, just started to pick up last year during the second half of the year. And uh, it's been a little slower than normal this year, mainly because I had both knees replaced. Oh. So I, uh, I have been scaling back this year and, and just started to get uh, things going again slightly in June, uh, and probably my busiest time is coming up yet the, the rest of the year. That's wonderful. That's wonderful. And what kinds of events do you play? Are they mostly private events or are they public events? I'm sure a combination of both, but you know, I'm just curious. Uh, everything I've done has pretty much been a, a public event. I have been blessed on this journey and, and blessed to do a lot of traveling. And I've always been able to do a lot of variety of things. Mm -hmm. We about uh, 14, 15 powwows a year where I would wow. be the feature. Those um, in the last, I've been playing for 25 years. And during that time, uh, a lot of those powwows have just gone out of business, so to speak. Yeah. They lost their fun. 
or they'd been going for a number of years and uh, the people who did it were just ready to retire. Yeah. So now we do uh, only about three or four a year mm-hmm. and most are in the fall time. Mm-hmm. Uh, I've done a lot of indoor expos, uh, what you would call metaphysical expos. Oh, wow. It's a lot of uh, has fit into what you call the new age category. So mm-hmm. my music uh, and and what I offer at my table, my CDs and some other Native American style crafts fit well into those types of shows. And I, I like doing a lot of those kinds of shows. I've, I've been a guest musician and speaker at over a hundred churches throughout the country and continue wow. to do church visits throughout the year. That's wonderful. That's wonderful. So you've won a number of awards, and, and you sit on the committee of what is it? The is it? The, go ahead. Voting me- Grammys for fifteen years. A voting member of the Grammys for fifteen years. That's pretty exciting. That's pretty exciting. Very cool. Yeah, in in the producers and engineers wing, um, they've they've restructured some things in the last few years. I actually did serve on one of the nomination committees. Uh, a few years back, but since then they've eliminated those nomination committees, and it's a different process these days of how the nomination uh, people are are nominated and yeah. how things go from there. Yeah, that's great. So now you did a little bit of singing. Are you often singing in your presentations? I think you maybe sang one or two songs in the show that I saw. Uh, it, it varies. Yeah, I did in the... Uh, uh, the set there at Three Oaks uh, with a th- traditional thank you song. Mm-hmm. Uh, it depends what I'm doing, whether or not I, ha- I have time for it, uh, yeah. and uh, whether or not I think it's appropriate where I'm I'm singing it. And and uh, I felt like that was uh, a nice thing to end it, as it was a nice thank you song uh, mm-hmm. sung in the Lakota Dakota language. And uh, I uh, I love doing it for yeah. the audience well, and people- the audience. So appreciative, so yeah. appreciative. People loved hearing it. They loved hearing it. I mean, people were just lulled into a, you know, onto another plane that evening. It was just beautiful. So what would you tell a young performer? You know, people perform all different styles of things, but at the crux of what we do, it's very similar. Uh, what would you tell young performers about how to find their audience how to uh, conduct their business so that they're able to make a living, uh, whether they're a singer or an instrumentalist or whatever they're doing, because you, you've done a wonderful job with, with your music and your career. Oh, thank you. Uh, I'd say, first of all, play an instrument that you love and have a passion for, even if you're a singer, because mm-hmm. your voice is an instrument as well. And I compliment you on your success. And well, thank you. Yeah, you're as a singer, uh, because your voice is an instrument as well. You know, some musicians play a, a brass or a string instrument, a percussion instrument, and maybe have a dream of uh, being a member of a, a big orchestra someday. Others might play a guitar, keyboards, drums, uh, dream of playing in a rock band, becoming a famous rock star. So whatever your dream is, keep it alive, pursue it. But remember that uh, all musicians that have that kind of dream of fame and and fortune and success, uh, it, it might not uh, always come true, but music can be a part of your life and success can be at, at many levels. I've, 
I've literally taught hundreds of people over the years how to play the Native American flute, and most were just playing it for their own enjoyment and their mm-hmm. own fun. Music should always be fun and enjoyable. And when music is in your blood, it's something that you can do for your entire life. Yes. I, I had that big dream of becoming a, a rock star back in my younger days. <laughs> I actually uh, started playing the drums when I was 14. And by the time I was 20, I was on the road with a uh, rock band that toured 25 states. Uh, during the end of our career, we lived in L.A. for uh, about four or five years and got our foot in the door with a lot of record companies. Uh, we did a lot of original music. We actually released a vinyl album back then, but we never got the big break. Yeah. I, I found myself uh, at the end of the line when that band broke up, what am I going to do next? Yeah. So, you know, you have to have uh, the realization that, that not every dream is going to come true, but you can still enjoy music. That's right. And, uh, yeah, yeah, just got to keep keep on keeping on. Yeah, that's right. You have to be resilient. You have to reinvent yourself. You have to do all of those things. Uh, but at the end of the day, to be able to do what you love and make a living at it, what a joy that is. What a privilege it is. Yeah, we back then we were actually able to make a living at it because we were able to play five or six nights a week, week after week, year after year. Uh, today, a musician is lucky to play one or two nights a week. So yeah. most musicians have to have uh, another job. And when that band broke up, I had several part-time jobs for several years. And in uh, 1986, I, I got interested in law enforcement and became a Dayton, Ohio police officer. Oh, wow. That's very cool. Yeah, well, thank you for your service. Well, thank you. <laughs> for uh, almost 15 years, uh, and I actually had to retire from an on-duty uh, injury. Uh, it was a head injury, so I retired on an on-duty disability. Yeah. And I actually had my first two CDs out when I worked for the city. Mm-hmm. So when I retired, it, it gave me the chance to return to my love of music. And, and that's how the, the flute journey started at that point in my life. That's wonderful. Things have a way of working out, you know? <laughs> They They do. do. They do. Well, Douglas Bluefeather, thank you so much. Is there anything else that you'd like to share with us about your career or about the Native American music or the Native American community? Just, you know, there there are so many things that divide us these days, whether it's uh, race or religion or especially politics these days. Mm -hmm. There's a Lakota word. Uh, it's pronounced Matakoye Owasan. It means we are all related. So my message to people is to just always be kind, you know, keep uh, love and peace in your heart, have compassion for other people, because we have more in common than we have in, in differences among us. So when we work together, we can accomplish more and and take better care of mother earth because uh we are at the point as most people know she is in a lot of trouble and things need to be yeah. uh changed in order that many generations to come can enjoy living on this planet we don't need to be moving to mars <laughs> yeah you're right amen to all of that all of that well douglas thank you so much for being with me today this has been delightful. You are a gentle soul, and I love it. It's fantastic. I've, I've really enjoyed our chat, and it's been such a pleasure meeting you. Thank you so much, Greta. You oh, take care. My, 
see you again in the future. Absolutely. Take care. Thank you. Bye-bye. Good news. We're partnering. The Business Savvy Singer podcast is delighted to be included in the NatsCast network. NatsCast is the official podcast network of the National Association of Teachers of Singing. It's an honor to be part of this community and have the opportunity to provide encouragement, education, and entertainment to singers everywhere. Singers, have you ever wanted to improve your sight reading skills? Do you want to hear harmonies better and sing them more easily? Would you like to be able to improvise and sing more styles of music? Donovan Mixon's performance ear training can help you with all of these things. Donovan has been a faculty member at Berklee College of Music and is an expert in this field. Doesn't matter where you live, classes are offered online. Visit donmixon.com. Check out our show notes for more info. The Business Savvy Singer podcast is brought to you by the privatemusicstudio.net, Eternal Wolf Music, and Greta Pope Entertainment. Let us know if you know of a singer who is having great success in the music business. We'd love to share their story and their journey on this podcast. Send your emails to info at gretapope.com. We've had a great time with you today. See you next time on the Business Savvy Singer Podcast. The Business Savvy Singer.